0: Hey, it's me again. Over the last few weeks, you've heard my voice interject before we actually get to the episode. And that's because I have a favor to ask you. We want to hear from you, our listeners. I want to know what questions you have about radio advisory, about the podcast team. I want to know what questions you have about healthcare. There are many ways that you can get those questions to us, the radio advisory team. You can email us at podcasts at You can fill out a form on ask.advisory.com, or you can leave us a voice message, and all of that detail is in our show notes. The reason why I want to hear from you is because we're designing an episode that's all about the questions that you have. It's all about what you want to hear from Radio Advisory. So make your question as succinct as possible, and we might pick it for an end-of-year episode on Radio Advisory. Again, more details in the show notes from advisory board we're bringing you a radio advisory your weekly download on how to untangle healthcare's most pressing challenges my name is rachel woods you can call me ray It is no question that we are in an era of unprecedented technological change. Large language models, the rise of generative AI, these are the things that have dominated industry conversations for the last year. And as a result, healthcare organizations are questioning how, where, and if they use artificial intelligence. We know that some are eager to jump in headfirst. Others are being more tentative and looking to wait and see, and I'm not sure that either is actually the right option. That's why this week I've invited advisory board digital health experts Ty Adderhold and Alicia Culver. Together, I want to discuss what even is the right way to think about AI implementation. Hey Ty. Hey Alicia. Welcome to Radio Advisory.
1: Glad to be here, right?
0: Hello. How? How busy are the two of you right now? It's been almost exactly a year since ChatGPT became a thing in 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 healthcare and in the real world, and seems to me like things are not not exactly slowing down for the digital health and artificial intelligence research team.
1: Things are pretty busy. Uh, I think every <laughs> week someone else wants wants to talk to us, and every week I think there's another development or another sort of policy announcement or something that we need to be paying attention to.
2: Yeah. Well, what's nice is people are reaching out to me now. I don't even have to reach out to people for phone calls sometimes because they're so interested in our research, which is super exciting.
0: (laughs) Double-edged sword, though. Definitely a double-edged sword. Yeah. I I mean, the truth is that AI is still moving incredibly quickly. And and we are seeing a lot of experimentation and a lot of change. And none of that, I think, is going to slow down anytime soon. But I want to level set. When it comes to AI, when it comes to all of this change and maybe even all of this confusion, is there a central question that you're hearing from health leaders? Or maybe, maybe is there a question that you think they should be asking when it comes to AI?
2: Yeah, I think the biggest question that we're hearing health systems or providers asking is, what should my AI strategy be? But I think that what the question should really be is, what problems should I be solving Hmm. with AI, not what should my AI strategy be? You, I think, really should be thinking about what your existing strategy is and seeing how AI can fit into what you are already doing?
0: Yeah, we we don't like that question. And frankly, we didn't like that question when folks were asking it about any kind of technology, regardless of just AI. And I think it is reasonable for health leaders to be thinking about if there are parallels between artificial intelligence and past healthcare technologies. When it comes to past technologies, I think a lot of folks actually kind of bided their their time, right? They said, let me stay patient. Let me figure out what works, what doesn't work. Let me let someone else be the first mover here and do all of that experimentation. I'm going to wait for the right evidence and not have to reinvent the wheel. Should we be thinking about AI the same way?
1: Ray, I think you're right. We've seen a split sort of in recent years towards a group of organizations that really want to be thought of as innovators and therefore move quickly, but outside of wanting to be thought of as an innovator, it didn't make a ton of sense to move quickly. If you think about something like EMR integration, it was actually a much smoother, a much better process for your organization if you waited a bit. And so it, yeah. this is how this idea of fact. In fact,
0: some people are still rolling yes. out Epic right yes, now. that They have waited quite some time to implement this technology.
1: And so the ideal became this idea of a fast fallover. I'm going to let those innovators go ahead. They'll figure out what works, what doesn't work. I'll respond after I understand sort of what our approach should be. But I don't think AI is necessarily the place to do that.
0: Hmm, Why?
1: I think there's a few different reasons. One, as you already mentioned, the pace of change that we've seen across this past year has been incredible. And I don't think it's going to slow down. And so if you're waiting, there's always going to be something new that you're not necessarily be able to learn from the adoption that an organization had a year or two ago.
0: So there's already perhaps some fundamental differences between how we need to think about AI and how we need to think about other technologies. And let's say that folks have done what Alicia told them to do, which is to say, not just what is my AI strategy, but let's make sure AI is actually solving real problems. It sounds like the scales are tipping towards make those decisions soon, right? Be an early adopter. Let's say organizations go down that path. Why might that be a good thing?
2: I think one of the biggest things that early adopters will have an advantage in is the uh, efficiency and cost reduction. So you with a, with these AI technologies, organizations are able to better um, automate administrative tasks or analyze large large amounts of healthcare data, uh, create this faster access to information for both patients and clinicians. And all of these things, I think, have the ripple effects of that efficiency and cost reduction. Um, And then I think there's also a really big opportunity for healthcare organizations who move quickly to kind of have that lead time to... Um, develop this culture and literacy around AI as well. They may be able to kind of initiate those steps to communicate to their workforce early on um, what it is they're doing, why AI is important, develop this culture of, yes, AI is a good thing and we should be adopting this to solve our problems, things like that.
0: The cost reduction is something I'm not sure enough people are thinking about. I think most people are thinking about the cost of investing, but you're right, right? Long-term, there's a lot of efficiency to be gained. Early adopters have this lead time to learn quickly. I have to imagine that this is also something that at least can be good for employees, right? The actual people who are going to be using the technology and maybe even the the people on the other end, the the patients who are going to be experiencing the benefits. Is that right?
2: Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's correct. I think that's like a secondary benefit that a lot of people don't always jump right towards. I think cost uh, reduction and efficiency is kind of what people want to focus on. But if you're going to be a provider who's going to make a clinician's life easier, why wouldn't you want to work there? Or if you're going to be able to provide a better patient experience by personalizing their care or improving their accessibility, why wouldn't a patient want to go and see you? Um, So I think that those are definitely secondary benefits that we'll see with uh, the implementation of these new AI technologies.
1: And Ray, I just want to double click on something Alicia talked about, sort of the culture piece. And I think this sort of spans across all of these sort of benefits of early adoption is the idea that your organization will gain sort of cultural and institutional knowledge of how to use AI and what worked in your early processes as an early adopter. And those lessons will then apply to other AI technologies that you adopt in the future. And I don't think that institutional knowledge is gonna be something that a fast follower can gain from just reading a case study mm-hmm. or looking at how other organizations have approached adoption.
0: What, what kind of organizations are, are doing this? What kinds of organizations are maybe diving in headfirst?
1: I think we've seen, you know, that same group I mentioned earlier of organizations that pride themselves on being innovators. Oftentimes those are sort of the the academic medical centers of the world um, jumping in. And these are organizations that for years have had some uses of clinical predictive AI that they've been building or piloting themselves. Um, And we've seen these organizations move relatively quickly with generative AI as well. Things like, you know, we've heard organizations who are doing pilots with Epic to allow physicians to respond to sort of inbound messages with some generative AI prompts to speed up that process. We know this is something that a lot of clinicians are feeling overwhelmed with these days. And so it's those organizations who were already moving this direction, likely already had data scientists and other Mm -hmm. sort of technical expertise that was employed, um, their research institutions, those are the organizations we're seeing move sort of most quickly here.
0: I don't mean to be too blunt with this question, but is it even still possible for folks to move into this early adopter category? I mean, like I said, it's it's been a year since the kind of chat GPT, large language models, generative AI hit our cell phones, let alone strategic plans. Is it still possible for someone to be an early mover if they're making changes in, say, early 2024?
1: I think you're still on the early side of things if you're moving in 2024. I think the big sort of unknown here is how quickly is this pace of change going to continue? Because there could be a new sort of more generalist AI model that hmm. comes out sometime in 2024. And now, we're set up for a whole other cycle of early movers again. When it relates specifically to sort of generative AI and some of the sort of ChatGPT style uses, I think the window's closing on being an early mover. Hmm. I think Alicia would probably tell you that's not the end of the world, but. Yeah.
2: Yeah. I I would definitely think that if you're speaking in generalized terms that this early mover period has probably ended, but it is a little bit more nuanced than that in terms of like mm. the types of use cases that you're exploring. And again, the pace of change is making things move so fast that maybe you were an early mover on one thing and then this new thing comes out and you're like, oh, maybe I want to be an early mover on that. Mm. So I think that the real competitive advantage is not like maybe whether or not you're going to be an early mover, but whether or not you're going to be able to keep up with the pace of change mm. or like, iterate over time.
0: Especially since we should be thinking about the the problems this technology solves rather than the technology itself, going back to the very first thing that you said. So I, I'm kind of overwhelmingly hearing that there is a competitive advantage if you're going to move fast. But let's go to the other side of the coin, right? AI isn't a guaranteed slam dunk. I have to believe that there are some risks here, uh, and, and certainly leaders know those risks. Otherwise, they would have made a move eight, 10 months ago, as opposed to thinking about it in the next six months, next year, next two years?
2: Yeah, I think one of the biggest risks that you might experience as an early adopter here is this risk of monetary loss. I think a lot of chief financial officers are still concerned about spending money on these new solutions when you might not even see an ROI on that investment until years in the future. And I feel like also there's this risk, especially um on the monetary side for providers who already have low profit margins. Oh yeah. Um like why would I want to invest in remote in providers?
0: Life? Let's 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 name that. <laughs>
2: yeah. Um if you already have low profit margins, like I you might not be able to even have the resources to invest in this. Um so I think that's kind of the biggest thing
0: there. So it's not so easy as saying kind of academically, everybody should be moving quickly because there are nuances, there is risk. And I mean, in fact, I am betting that not everyone can be a first mover to your point about margin, but I'm also betting that not everyone should try to move as quickly as possible at this point. Is that right?
1: 100%. I think a great example of this is if you don't have a data scientist at your organization, It's going to be really hard to move quickly on a lot of these tools if you are still doing your due diligence. Mm -hmm. Sure, you could move quickly without fully understanding what you're adopting. But if you don't have that technical expertise as you evaluate these tools, it's going to be hard to move quickly here. You're going to have to wait for a lot more validation. You're going to have to talk to more third parties to make sure that what you're investing in is going to work for your patient population. It's going to be safe is going to sort of not cause problems in the future and is going to provide an ROI.
0: We'll be right back with more radio advisory after this short break. interest in artificial intelligence isn't slowing down anytime soon. Discover how healthcare leaders are cautiously leveraging AI to tackle industry challenges in our latest expert insight. Go to advisory.com forward slash AI strategy to access this resource and learn what's necessary for AI to drive transformative outcomes in the healthcare landscape. really only two options here? Are the options on the table for our listeners, for real health leaders, really just move quickly or perhaps, you know, have moved already or wait and see like we've done with every other technology?
1: I think there is a third path that you can take here. I think that third path involves waiting on some big investments, but not sort of twiddling your thumbs in the meantime. I think there's steps Hmm. you can take along the way to prepare to invest that you can be taking right now that will set your organization up for success. Uh, Alicia and I have been sort of working through what we call this third path. I think we've landed on this idea of incremental movement Hmm. uh, being the the ideal here.
0: Practically speaking, what would it mean to be an incremental mover?
2: I think with... An incremental mover, the biggest thing is that you don't see this end goal as being adoption. You're seeing the end goal as the steps you are taking to move forward. And that could be a variety of things. So maybe that's, um, I want to figure out who's going to be involved in all of these decisions um, and the skills that are going to be required to adopt in the future. Um, it might be thinking like we mentioned already, what are the strategic goals that I want to be solving with AI so I'm not jumping too far ahead? Are there some low risk, high impact use cases I can start with? Um, and I think even more importantly, it's like, oh, maybe I should actually set up the governance structure that I need it to set. Yes. To, to make better decision making around all of this before I just dive in head first um, into some of these things, because you might need to address new challenges that weren't. Uh, for at present with previous healthcare technologies. Um, so I think it's it's those steps, those, I guess, end goals that you should be striving for as an incremental mover, not going immediately towards, let me invest in this solution right now.
1: It's almost the eat the eat your vegetables uh, of this <laughs> process. You know, you gotta do the the governance, you gotta do your sort of data cleaning and data architecture, the things that aren't gonna be that fun. Are hard to do, but will set you up for success.
0: And I guess what you're what you're telling us is that some might be able to do this, this kind of first mover advantage. No one should simply wait and see what happens. All right, everybody's got to eat their vegetables. Everybody has got to start taking steps forward.
1: Right. Because I think if you don't start doing that now, when you wait and see and decide two years from now, okay, we're ready there's going to be so many things you didn't do along the way that slow you down at that point or lead to incorrect decision-making at that point. So you need to be preparing now to be ready to make the right decisions when it makes sense for your organization to move based on your strategic goals, based on the decision-making processes that you've set up in the meantime.
0: So if everybody needs to move into this kind of third group of the incremental mover, let's give them some help in what that means. I think we've already said two things, which is to recognize and internalize that you shouldn't be thinking about AI as a strategy. it should it should solve problems, right? Um, you've already mentioned governance, which I think Ty, you may have at one point told me is the the cauliflower, right? not just the vegetable, the cauliflower uh, of of what we need to actually do here. What else do organizations need to do now as they move into this third group, the incremental mover?
1: Yeah, Ray, right. we, we have a report coming out that covers this. We, we quickly talk about really all of these things. I'm going to summarize sort of one piece that we haven't touched on yet, um, which is not being afraid to make tough decisions and move forward here. I think one big pitfall that can happen. Is you know, you see headlines around issues of data bias, or you Hmm. recognize that there are some pretty risky pieces to adoption here and fully stop and decide, you know what? No, actually, we should just wait and see. And I don't think that's the right approach either. I think instead, it's to actively sort of do the hard work now so that when you are adopting a year from now, you've taken those incremental steps that not only set yourself up to uh, have the adoption align with your strategy and that you have a governance in place, but you also can evaluate a tool to understand if when you use it on your population, there is going to be bias or not, and effectively monitor that tool for bias once you've actually implemented it. So I think there's there's going to be challenges and there's going to be scary yeah. aspects of this, and it's Not just stopping when you hit those, but instead having your organization learn how to work through them and sort of mitigate against them.
0: And that is probably the hardest thing that folks are going to have to do, right? We've given them this door number three, but door number three is not the easy path, right? right? And, And I do fear that a lot of folks are going to have to overcome this expectation that the problems will be solved for them. Uh, particularly that the problems will be solved for them by legislation, by the government. I should mention that as we are recording this podcast, uh, 26 hours ago, President Biden released an executive order on AI. Uh, and, and I worry that folks are going to see that and go, ah, a reason to hold back, a reason to move into this wait and see approach, because see, finally, we're going to see some action by the federal government. But you're saying, no, go to the challenges yourself. Why is that something we still believe, even as, like you said, new, new policies, new executive orders are, are coming out?
2: Well, I think for me, it all comes down to remembering that healthcare is already complicated to regulate and to develop legislation for. And just because AI is new doesn't mean that we're going to have magical new rules that tell us what to do. (laughs) And I feel like that you're going to have to take it on yourself to um, develop those internal governance structures and work together because, like I said, it's already hard to regulate. And two, it's probably going to take a long time for these new governmental regulations to take place. And that gives you an advantage too, if you're starting early and making decisions, to be involved in those discussions early on and to have an opinion in those discussions so that when Mm -hmm. uh, Mm top-down legislation actually does come to the table, like you've had input into that.
0: Yeah, especially because we all know that the path between executive order and policy is a long one. Yes. So if I'm honest and if I'm reflecting on the conversation, I want to come back to what I'm seeing kind of in the general public, in the media. And most of the headlines that I see are about the transformative potential of AI, right? The huge opportunity that this has in the world and in particular in healthcare. And on this very podcast, we've talked about moving away from the idea of AI as an existential threat to one where we do need to think about the transformative potential, the existential opportunities. So when it comes to those opportunities, what is going to be the difference between an organization that succeeds and an organization that fails?
1: Ray, I think the biggest difference is that organizations that succeed will realize that the transformational potential of AI is about the impact it will have on their business in the future, not about how it will impact their business when they adopt. What I mean by that Mm. is, yes, there is a transformational potential here, but it's not going to come in and just transform your organization all at once when you choose to adopt it. There are so many small steps you're going to have to take along the way to reach that transformational point. And so if you are sitting around and waiting for that transformation, you're never gonna get there. You have to take the small steps now in order to achieve that transformational potential in the future.
2: Yeah, I think my answer is kind of similar. I think that if we're gonna look at health AI as this kind of like revolutionary thing for healthcare, organizations are gonna have to really think Mm. about what the characteristics are of their organization are and like what that will actually mean for them. And then also with this pace of change, I alluded to this before, but it's going to be more about how you're iterating over time, how you're tracking the changes that AI will have on your workforce, how you're monitoring these risks over time. I think that's what is going to distinguish successful organizations in the future, Um, not just like how am I implementing this successfully? How am I going to continuously evolve this over time?
0: Well, Ty, Alicia, thank you for making time in your busy schedules (laughs) as you continue to get thousands of questions about AI to come on Radio Advisory.
1: Always happy to make time.
0: Thanks so much for having us. It is all too easy to think that there are only two options when it comes to adopting technology or adopting artificial intelligence. I either need to move now or I need to wait for someone else to figure it out. But I hope you heard in this episode that there is a third option. And in fact, this is the one that we want everyone to do. And that's because every organization can take meaningful steps and make progress towards advancing in artificial intelligence, even if those steps look different organization to organization. And remember, as always, we're here to help. If you like Radio Advisory, please share it with your networks. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts and leave a rating and a review. Radio Advisory is a production of Advisory Board. This episode was produced by me, Ray Woods, as well as Abby Burns, Kristen Myers, and Atticus Roche. The episode was edited by Katie Anderson with technical support by Dan Tyag, Chris Phelps, and Joe Schrum. Additional support was provided by Carson Sisk, Leanne Elston, and Erin Collins. Thanks for listening. You have to say yes out loud. You can't just know.
1: Oh, yeah. <laughs> yes.